Today, answers matter more than ever before. That's why IBM is helping businesses manage customer questions with Watson Assistant. It's conversational AI designed to work for any industry. Let's put smart to work. Visit ibm.com slash Watson Assistant. This is The Sporting Life on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Here's Jeremy Schaap. We start with our old friend, the senior baseball writer at The Athletic, Keith Law. His new book is The Inside Game, Bad Calls, Strange Moves, and What Baseball Behavior Teaches Us About Ourselves. A lot to unpack there. Keith, thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. So, Keith, first of all, let's start with the absence of baseball from our lives right now. Uh, you are someone whose life revolves around the game, who's always immersed in the game. What is this like for you? It's very strange, certainly. We are uh, at a point in the calendar where ordinarily I'd be finishing up draft scouting, hitting some minor league games, and starting to prepare mock drafts. The baseball draft is still tentatively scheduled for June 10th, but of course there's some uncertainty around when the draft will be, or how many rounds it might entail. And so I'm in a holding pattern and feeling a bit sort of adrift. And as much as the running joke is sort of what day is today, for me, it's sort of what month is it, right? I look outside and think I should be doing baseball, but there is no baseball for me. And that is, as much as I appreciate the time home with the family, there's absolutely a poll there that says, no, you're supposed to be out watching players, writing the things. And it is very, very strange to not have that as a regular feature of my life, especially this time in the calendar. Yeah, baseball is such a part of the rhythm of our lives. Once it gets started in late March, early April, and it's just there for the next seven, eight months. And and I think people are really feeling the absence. I have a friend uh, who's in his 60s who is recovering from covid uh, 19 right now. Uh, thankfully, he's doing well. And he's texting me every couple of days, when is baseball back? That's all he wants <laughs> is his baseball back um, because he's one of these guys who watches, you know, 150 games a year if he can. And, 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 and he's a Mets fan, so he's a glutton for punishment. But it is, it is so strange not to have it again. We're speaking with Keith Law. He is a senior baseball writer at The Athletic. And his new book is The Inside Game, Bad Calls, Strange Moves, and What Baseball Behavior Teaches Us About Ourselves. And of course, when you were writing this book, um, we could not have foreseen the situation in which we find ourselves, but it's perhaps more applicable now thinking about baseball and the way we think about the game than it was before uh, the pandemic. Um, what do you mean when you say um, that baseball behavior tells us something about ourselves, the way people in baseball behave when it comes to the business of the game? Well, the great thing about baseball for a book like this, where I'm using concepts from behavioral economics, is that baseball is very much a series of discrete events and thus a series of discrete decisions. So it's fairly easy for us to isolate specific choices, whether it's a managerial choice within a game or general manager's decision to maybe sign a player or trade a player or scouting director's decision on what player they're drafting, or even gener more generally, what type of player to draft. And so it allows me to sort of go both ways. If you don't know anything about behavioral economics, it's not, at least when I was in college and I partially majored in economics in college, we didn't do a lot of this stuff. So I had to learn it all as an adult. If you don't know this stuff, I can explain a lot of these concepts, I think fairly simply, 
using baseball examples because how often in life do you have something like that where you can really isolate a specific decision or have fairly specific data on a series of choices made over a long period of time so you can look and say, this works, this doesn't. It really allowed me to, again, I think to make this material more accessible and at the same time tell some fun baseball stories. I love talking about old baseball decisions that did or didn't work. I loved delving through years of draft results to look at, okay, was it actually a bad idea to take a high school pitcher in the first round? Yeah, turns out it kind of is. That stuff, it, I always want to write books that I think I would like to read if I were on the other end, and this allowed me to do that, to tell fun, interesting stories from baseball history, but I hope look at them through a lens that no one had looked at them through before. We're speaking with Keith Law, a senior baseball writer for The Athletic. His new book is The Inside Game, Bad Calls, Strange Moves, and What Baseball Behavior Teaches Us About Ourselves. Of course, the bad decision stuff is is fascinating historically. Uh, I remember I used to host a show on ESPN Classic, and uh, we would have some of the most distinguished baseball writers, sports journalists of all time on the show, guys like Leonard Coppett, who I guess is kind of the uh, the grandfather, is it fair to say, of analytics, not only in baseball, but also in basketball, somebody who covered the game in a way that kind of delved deeper. And, and we used to have a disagreement. Uh, we talk about, we did a segment once about what's the worst trade ever, you know, and there's always, uh, what is it, Ernie Brolio? I mean, I'm sorry, uh, it's Brolio for um, from, Lou, Brock. Uh, Lou Brock, right? Yep. Uh, that, and I'd say, yeah, that's terrible. Uh, that's terrible, Leonard. But what about Amos Rusi for Christy Matheson? <laughs> you know, the Reds traded Christy Matheson, right? Who had not yet appeared in the major leagues and he would go on to win what? 373 or 383? I was, I think it's 373 games for Amos Rusi, who had been a great pitcher, but was washed up and won like four games for the Reds or something like that. And he said, well, that doesn't count because they couldn't have known that was going to happen. And I'm like, well, that's the whole point though, Leonard, but it, it still ends up. I, I don't know what I'm saying. I have no idea actually right now what I'm saying, Keith, but, <laughs> but what, you know, what does that, is that a terrible trade or is there a difference between terrible trades based on outcome, terrible decisions? versus it's known unknowns and unknown unknowns, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Absolutely. Well, one of the things you just got at there in the debate is outcome bias. And it seems to me like Leonard was probably falling in that particular argument for outcome bias, or I should say into the trap of outcome bias, which is one of the ones I discussed in the inside game, one of the many cognitive biases. And I think one of the easiest to understand, essentially outcome bias is judging an outcome, sorry, judging a process by the outcome or by the results. It worked, therefore it was a good idea. That's not true. That's what I'm saying. Right. Everyone can understand their own lives, right? You've had <laughs> something where you said, I did all the right things and it still didn't work. That's the difference between process and outcome. And I use the example in the book of Bob Brenly in the 2001 World Series when he was managing the Arizona Diamondbacks and did kind of everything wrong for seven games, but the Diamondbacks still won the World Series. Mm -hmm. So did Bob Brenly do a good job? <laughs> was he a good manager or was he simply a manager who was standing nearby when Randy Johnson and Kurt Schilling pretty much won the World Series for the Diamondbacks? I choose the latter. Bad process, good outcome. Do not let us fall into the outcome bias of saying Brenly's process must have been good because they won when we can look at the individual decisions with data, with actual evidence, and say, no, these were bad decisions. And individually, they may not have worked out. But on the whole, 
the series as a whole worked out for the Diamondbacks, and we can judge those two things separately. See, I always feel that way, uh, Keith. I'm getting a little bit into the weeds with specifics here, but I was at Game 7 of the 2004 ALCS when the Red Sox completed that miraculous once all-time comeback after being down 3 nothing. And I remember sitting in the stadium, and were you at that game, or were you covering the other league at that time? I was not. I, so I remember sitting there, and, and you remember, I'm sure, and I've talked about this with Terry Francona, he puts Pedro in the game mm-hmm. at a certain point. The Red Sox are about to pull off this remarkable comeback, achieve this incredible thing, winning Game 7 at Yankee Stadium. No team's ever come back from 3 nothing, And the one guy, it seems, who can possibly put the Yankees back into the game is Pedro Martinez. And he puts him in, and I think Pedro promptly gives up like back-to-back doubles. And all of a sudden, the tying runs in the on-deck circle. I think of the person maybe of Bernie Williams. And I'm thinking, what was he thinking? Now, they ended up somehow... Winning anyway. Do you remember that? Do you remember Pedro going into that game? Yeah, Pedro came in in relief of Derek Lowe uh, and actually gave up. Lowe had pitched spectacularly. He'd only thrown about 70 pitches. Uh, and Pedro Martinez came in after and promptly gave up two runs. It ended up not mattering because the Red Sox uh, were up by a lot. Um, ended up winning 10 for I pulled up the score. But that's a perfect example, right? Like if I were John Henry after that game, I would have said, I'm firing this guy. Like, why did that? I mean, that that I mean, that was a terrible decision, right? It was a bad decision, um, in part because also the the usage of Pedro Martinez it was almost like. And I actually think Terry Francona is and has demonstrated himself over a long period to be an excellent tactical manager and a good manager of people. Right. However, even really good managers can make bad decisions, and I think one of the choices there that was not great was thinking of Pedro as if. He were the Pedro of five years earlier. There was a point where you could bring Pedro in into situations like that on shorter rest out of his regular routine, and he could do it. But part of why the Red Sox got so much out of Pedro Martinez those last few years he was in Boston was because they used him so judiciously. They started giving him extra rest. They generally didn't work him too deep into individual games. You wouldn't see him come in in relief in even in high leverage situations, which they could have done, which he did do in a playoff series against Cleveland about five or six years earlier. You just couldn't do that with him anymore. And it was uh, probably a bit of a situation. I've never, I'd be interested to ask uh, Tito what he remembers about that. But was this a situation where he thought, it's Pedro Martinez. He's my best pitcher. Of course, I want to bring in the best pitcher in that situation. Looking at the general case, which is Pedro Martinez was probably their best pitcher. Not the specific case, Pedro Martinez coming in in relief without full rest is not the same as Pedro Martinez coming in as a starter when he's had his regular rest and all of the work they did between starts to try to keep him fresh. We're speaking with Keith Law, and he is he's one of those uh, guests that we have on the show. I always feel stupid when I'm talking to him. And and that's the way. (laughs) And I'm not saying that's, you know, a great testament to his intellect. I mean, some would say that's damning with faint praise, but his new book is The Inside Game, Bad Calls, Strange Moves, and What Baseball Behavior Teaches Us About Ourselves. And and Keith, I know this is a tough one because you know everybody in baseball. You've been around the game for such a long time. But but who are the – you don't have to narrow it down to one. Who are the smartest people in baseball? Oh, gosh. It's a, uh, it's a long list now, and it's, it's a different answer than I would have given 10 or 15 years ago because there are so many people in baseball now who either you know, come from elite colleges or come from really 
strong, uh, different backgrounds. We have you know, worked in industry, worked in high tech. Um, Sig Medal, who's now the assistant GM with Baltimore Orioles, who's one of the main reasons this book exists in the first place, because he sort of turned me on to this whole field of behavioral economics and cognitive psychology and said, this, these are things we're working on. He was with Houston at the time. We asked new hires with the Astros to read the book Thinking Fast and Slow, written by Nobel Prize winner Daniel Kahneman, one of the fathers of this field. And Sig is incredibly smart. He used to work for NASA. He has a, he has a PhD, extensive academic work in decision sciences. Those are not typical credentials for a front office executive throughout baseball history. People like Sig, people like Theo Epstein, have only come into baseball in the last 20 years in general, and much more frequently in the last 10 years. I had a reader call me about five years ago as he was completing a PhD in machine learning and signal processing at Carnegie Mellon, from which I also have a degree, not a PhD, though. And he was asking me about, uh, uh, no, right, exactly. He was asking me about a job offer he'd gotten in baseball. I won't get into the details of that, but I remember thinking at the time, you're coming to work in baseball? Like, shouldn't you be saving the world or coming up with the next Google or the next Facebook or something? It's, we're attracting, and it's true of all sports, we're attracting a different caliber of people. So talking about the smartest people in baseball is a much different conversation today than it would have been even 10 years ago because folks like that, are they have the skills, they have the background, and if they're willing to take a little bit less in salary to enter an industry they really want, in which they really want to work, we get... But like I said, we get those people that we just never did previously. Well, somebody should award you at least an honorary PhD, especially now after this book. Keith Law, again, you can read him at The Athletic. His new book is The Inside Game, Bad Call, Strange Moves, and What Baseball Behavior Teaches Us About Ourselves. We couldn't really do it justice in the time allotted, but I recommend it. Keith, thanks so much for being here on the show again. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. I'm Jeremy Schapp, and you can listen to new editions of The Sporting Life every Saturday and Sunday morning on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app, beginning at 6 a.m. Eastern Time.